0: Katie, I'm Erica and this, and this is, is Book Talk. Talk. Hi Katie. Hi Erica. Welcome to a special one-off episode of Book Talk. So, we usually read books Over four parts and four episodes as we go through the book. But when we find a book that we both really love, that one of us really loves, or that we both really hate, we will do a special one-off episode about that book. And today we are talking about a book that we both loved called The Power by Naomi Alderman. The Power is a sci-fi near-future story where women develop the ability to conduct electricity through a vein-like muscle called a skein or a skien. I'm sure we'll talk about how to say that word, and we'll probably say it separately, differently. The power follows four main characters in different parts of the world as people reckon with this new power balance.
1: The story is told to us by four main characters. The first one is Roxy. Um, She is a crazy strong daughter of a mob boss. She is trying to build and refine her power and rise up in her community to avenge her mom's wrongful death. But for Roxy, this is just the start of her insane family drama. The other character we have and get to know is Allie, um, also known as Mother Eve. She's a foster kid who was abused by her foster parents, who in the beginning, uh, when the women are getting the power, becomes sort of an evangelical leader who commands ranks of women and gets a little bit YouTube famous. The third story we hear is Margot. Margot is the mayor of a small town in America, and her daughter is one of the first ones affected by gaining this power. The last story we hear is Tunde. I could be saying that wrong. Um, This is the only man that we get to see the perspective of and be in the head of. He is a journalist who's trying to capture the worst and scariest of this emerging and growing power around the
0: world. What we're going to do in this episode is start by talking about the book in an unspoiled way. And then in the second half, we'll talk about it in a spoiled way. So if you haven't read the book, You can listen to the first half and we'll let you know when we're switching to talking about more of the plot points and revealing what happens in the end. So we'll see how that goes. Let us know if that's something that you like and want us to do in the future. Katie, what did you think overall of the writing style or the way the story is told?
1: I loved this book. I feel like it's been a while since I've been fully captivated by a story the way that I was by this book. And even going back through and thinking about it, I'm still amazed at all that she got into this book without it feeling crowded or overwhelming. Um, I also really liked, obviously, there's some part of this book that's revenge writing, right? That is flipping the script and women kind of getting their, getting their justice. But I liked that it wasn't all revenge writing, but also a lot of her kind of asking questions um, and not answering them and just making you really consider why things are the way you are. Um, the other part I really liked about it was I think that there's so much fiction about the trauma that women specifically experience. I feel like we read a lot of fiction about the trauma women experience. Um, and it's kind of all written from that point of view. And I really liked still having to kind of confront that in our minds, but in a completely different way. Um, and talking about like, what if we flipped it completely? And it makes you think about these human issues like sexual assault, et cetera, without having to read about women being the victims. Um, so I thought that part was really interesting. And I, I mean, I liked her writing style. I think there were some parts of it, um, that we'll talk about later that came off a little bit confusing to me, like the book within a book. Um, but overall I loved it. What did you think of her, of her style or of the book in general?
0: she did a lot there's a lot of strategic things that she weaved into this book which I find very impressive the first is this book within a book so she starts off the book the book is essentially written by a man whose name is like an anagram for Naomi Alderman loved that by the way (laughs) that is funny so he he is writing in a world that's 5,000 years past the events of the power, when we are in like a matriarchal society. And he's describing like the early days. And so he's writing to presumably a woman in power who is, he's like placating to about his book. And then in the end, we, at the very end of the book, we get her response to him. I found that part confusing until you get to the end, and then it's like quite funny.
1: I thought I agree. I thought it was funny. But I feel like it was a little bit of a headspin because you're like, okay, I live in a patriarchal society. This book is taking place in a matriarchal where they're dreaming about what it would be like in a patriarchal. And I feel like it was exactly a headspin that I was like, "What?" But I was like the part where he basically is like, "I'm so so sorry. I can't remember the exact quote, but he's basically like, I'm so sorry to take up any of your time. Like, thank you so much for even just like looking at me for just one second. Like, I just But if you don't want to do it, don't worry about it." And I was like, "Oh god,
0: it's too close to home." <laughs> That was good. I also think one thing she does, and I only know this as I listened to a couple interviews of Naomi, is uh, she has these drawings that are intermixed throughout the book that are supposed to be like archaeological finds. And one of the commentaries that she's making is like, a lot of these are based on actual archaeological finds of earlier societies. And they're pretty ambiguous, like these cave drawings and things. and. In one of them, the original archaeologist who was British, it was like the face, a head of a man and like a body of a, a drawing of a woman, like a full body drawing of a woman. And he called the head like the the high priest and the the cave drawing of the woman is like the dancing girl. And so she <laughs> reverses that in this book and the woman is then referred to as a high priestess and the head is like the the boy, the servant boy or something like that. And it's just like a commentary on how we interpret history in the past through the current lens and through our current understanding of like gender and the way society is now, which is so funny. But it's also such a small point And like, it's just like woven in the middle of the book. So that part I thought was like funny, but you don't get it right away. It's like confusing about why that's there necessarily. It's definitely like an insider joke. She's get She was getting her degree in archaeology at the time she was writing this book.
1: Also, literally how? I'm like, this book is not – there are so many books we read where I'm like, okay, the like, kind of a straightforward plot. This book is – there are so many levels to it. I just don't even know how you would – like, the world building here is crazy that she has, like, done, and then all these little tiny details are also thought about. It's crazy.
0: It's also told – there's two things about the writing – that I also appreciated. One is we're always counting down to the end of the book, which makes the, makes like it builds anticipation as you're going. Like, you know, it's like, oh, what? Five years until the event, three years until the, one year. And you're like, oh my God. And so you like, towards the end, there's like a ton of momentum because you know something is coming that's potentially going to link a lot of these characters together. And you're racing to get to that point. The other structural component of the book is that it's told between these four characters. What did you think about that? Was it confusing? Did you like that approach? Did you feel like each of the four characters was developed enough?
1: I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about this because I love contrasting character stories um, even when they're very different and some are much more traumatic than others. So like when we read The Bad Muslim Discount or was it Olga dies dreaming, but like these different ones where you have something really awful happening, contrasted with something that's like kind of like more surface level or not as traumatic. Um, I personally think that that makes me get into each of the stories more. Um, so I really liked the four characters. I felt like Roxy is the one I, that sticks in my brain the most. Her whole story is just like so heartbreaking and also dramatic and traumatic that that story was crazy. I think that watching Ally or Mother Eve's development and then her kind of playing into other countries and their development was super interesting. Um, I felt like throughout the whole book, Day was a character I, couldn't, I like, couldn't relate to as much or couldn't get into the story until the very end when his story kind of takes over and crosses with Roxy's. Um, but I liked it being told by four different perspectives. I think it gave us a more like well-rounded view of what was going on from around the world Um, And how people in different societies are struggling with different things were taking this newfound power and how they were using it for what they needed or what they were dealing with.
0: I think again, Naomi's being strategic with the four stories that she chose. So we have Tunde, journalism, Margot political power, Ali, evangelical, religious power, and then Roxy, which is like underworld black market power, um, crime syndicate power. So I think in this case it really works for me where it doesn't in other books. We just read Olga Dies Dreaming the both of the both of us, which is where I felt like the two stories were not even in the seriousness of what they were dealing with, in the tensions that were built, and in the purpose of each character. It also reminds me of Tommy Orange's book, *There, There, where there are too many characters that you start to lose track of who is who, and you know their stories are all going to come together, but it's difficult to hold each of them in your mind. In this case, I felt like she somehow achieved it perfectly, where all four were very distinct. They were very unique. They were each so interesting.
1: Yeah, I think that helps a lot, too. They were all so distinct and so different from each other, but also they all had this like underlying trauma or this, this storyline that you had to know what was happening next. And you were like really invested in it. So I think that made it really easy to get back into each story when it started a new section.
0: Yes. And I agree that Tunde was, his story was the least, like there was the least amount of plot for him personally, but that obviously changes towards the end. But I think what he brought is the ability to like trot. So this is a, a book that's trying to show how this is impacting women and societies in general all across the country so, or all across the world. So you need one character who is much more mobile than everybody else. And it didn't really make sense for the other characters to travel so much. So in that case, it, I liked that he was able to be in a lot of different places, but also be in really in unstable environments and see sort of like the chaos at the fringes of where this power struggle was happening.
1: I did like to see what was happening through his eyes,
0: through his lens,
1: because rather than being told what was happening through one of the characters. Let's get into some themes in the book. The book starts off being about an almost feminist utopia where women don't have to be afraid of men, men are no longer a physical threat to women, but halfway through the story really changes to a more violent story world and really looks at the question of power. So what does power mean? What do you think it means? What does having power do to people?
0: Part of the reason I'm obsessed with this book is that it intersects a lot with sociology and psychology and theories of what power is. And I am very fortunate to work with Professor Adam Kalinske, who studies power and influence. So I think about these themes a lot. I what Naomi is saying is that there is something to power that creates Patriarchy, the way it exists today. And that power imbalance and the violence associated with it is something that exists separate from gender. I felt like, as a woman reading this, my instinct and what I've seen other people's instincts are is to say that would not happen because somehow women are better, we're more peaceful, we're the gentler sex, quote unquote, we would be better people. And I really found the tension of that experience when you're reading it to think that you wouldn't do that, to think that we wouldn't do that, to think that women in general are better and her saying they're not, or they're not all better is true. It's just true. It's just like, it's, I mean, there are women in power who are horrible people and who treat people terribly. And it's, Like, I I just loved that aspect of the book, that this is a theory about what power does and the experience of having power and how the fear of people having power can cause other people to react in, you know, out of fear. It's just fantastic. I loved it. I thought that part was so rich and it was so brilliant to write a book for women to make them question, what do we hate about patriarchy? You know, like, is it men? Is it men or is it what the power that they misuse over women?
1: That is exactly what I thought when I was reading this. I think it's so interesting that she makes us confront this in ourselves. Like we do have the ability, everybody inside them has the ability to be the oppressor or to be to wield power in a way that is wrong, but it depends on the person, not on the gender, not on who they are, what they identify as. And so that's I think the danger of power. Um I think we hear all the time if women ran the world, it would be, it would be more peaceful. They're more emotionally intelligent. Um and I think she kind of writes against this. So I find that very interesting in a book for women. Like you think you would be above this. You think that, you know, if women were in charge, they wouldn't have to deal with these same issues. But In a really captivating way, she writes about how you would still have to deal with it because you're still dealing with humans. Do you think that there always has to be an oppressor? Because I feel like when I was reading this story, what I was thinking about is right now we live in a patriarchal society where men have the power and women are more oppressed right? as a gender if you're separating it into that binary. And in this book, she flips it on its head. So does somebody, does some group always have to have the power? Like, Are we working towards a society where we can live in harmony where someone doesn't have to be the oppressor or is it something we're going to have to kind of always
0: fight against? This is a, it's an open question. <laughs> yeah. I'm this just asking also, it to the world. <laughs> like, no, I, and I also will say like the idea of like, is it power? Is there something inherent biologically with women and men that are different from hormonal levels from whatever that vary obviously within each person in that gender identity It's a question that we don't know the answer to and that scholars are trying to grapple with. So like the idea of like, is there something essential to gender? One of my favorite quotes about this, uh, about women in particular, is like, what what is womanhood divorced from patriarchy? Like, what is it? What is actually innate to being a woman or identifying as a woman separate from the power structure that we have? The answer is we can't know. We just can't know. We can't like we live in this exact society. We only understand these categories of gender through the lens of this existing society. So it's impossible to know. So I do want to say that before we discuss this, because like whatever we say, we're, there is no answer. I would say from society, from sociology and from psychology, there is no answer. Your what you originally asked was like why do we have power and is power imbalance like inherent? So power is like defined as control and it's either control over resources or control over people. I don't think that power must exist. I do think there's some dimension of like social hierarchy that is innate to us just being like mammals that is not suited to a happy, healthy modern society. And maybe we can grow out of that, but I think it comes from, you know evolution and living in smaller tribes and living in groups of 150 people Um, and a lot of the rank ordering is what we would call it in social hierarchy research is like emerges from expertise and competence so what's also funny about the power that naomi gives to these women is that there is no competence associated with this power she's not giving them like a skill it's essentially like a defensive mechanism like they just have the ability to to create violence and to create pain, which is so interesting.
1: It is so interesting because it doesn't actually give them anything, but it's also interesting because so many people who have power, even in today's society, are not exceptional, are not this like skill set in what they're doing, but are like know the right people or grew up in the right society or had the right amount of money to get where they wanted to be. And so maybe it's kind of a play on that too, like in yeah. smaller tribes. It became you had power based on your skills, not based on what you could offer or what you had done. And now it's much more growing into something that's much more arbitrary. And the power that the women get is also just because they're women. Where in a patriarchal society is you know you're given power and you because you're a man, right? Ability yeah. to move up and gain more power, I guess.
0: It also all of this like the destructive nature of power also exists in specific settings where there's not enough to go around or we have created situations where we believe there's not enough to go around we create this idea that everybody could achieve a certain level of power which is not necessarily true and are holding like a power imbalance Mm -hmm. as a feature of power i guess if that makes sense like i don't think I think some of the negative aspects of what we see emerging from power are because we live in a society where there is scarcity and where people's basic needs are not met and where we allow corruption to emerge, I guess. So I don't know if I, I don't know if the negative consequences are necessarily directly associated with power, but are because of the way we've structured our societies. We're getting deep into some theory. I love it.
1: I'm like, this is so interesting. I don't know enough about this, like, that I'm learning a lot. It's good. (laughs) The last thing I want to say about the power imbalance is the idea that people think that they are the exception and not the rule, right? Naomi, in an interview, is quoted saying, it's not about how do you avoid being a victim, but how do you avoid being a Nazi? And then do you think that you are so exceptional, that your ethics are so exceptional, that you would have immediately known that this was wrong and rebelled? Um, She's speaking in reference to the Holocaust, but also to the fiction worlds she's built as well. And I think it's interesting to kind of have to, and her book opens this question for you to confront that in yourselves, like what would we do in this situation? What would I do given power? Um, And to kind of reckon with that as you're reading this book.
0: The other thing she does really well with asking who should have this power in particular is showing you people where You would agree they should have this power, right? So it's like in these situations where a woman is being assaulted, you're like, yes, give her this power to kill this man who is attacking her. And it just gets grayer and grayer because then it's like, okay, so we all agree, like this person should have the power to harm this individual. Okay, so then what about a woman who's being talked down to in the office? With margot like should should she have the 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 experience or the knowledge that she could just kill him, and that allows her to stand up for herself, like I think she plays with this a lot too, where it's not just how would you be when you had power, but also who who would you give this power to? when would you give them the power, and then what would you do if things kind of went off the rails as they do towards the end of the book? No spoilers uh, maybe
1: we just teach people to stop harming each other and then we won't have to teach them to kill each other when they're being harmed. <laughs> But yes, I mean, fair. One more thing I want to talk about in this section is what it means to be a woman. And in this patriarchal society, we are reckoning with what it means to experience being unsafe, to experience misogyny. But what's missing from this book for me is people who experience misogyny or who are unsafe or who are women are not fully represented. They're not just women who are assigned female at birth, but also trans women, non-binary people. Um, if we're talking about just women, if we're talking about people who feel unsafe in a patriarchal society or who experience misogyny, that also includes trans men, et cetera. So I think that this book really misses things beyond the gender binary. Where do the trans men fit in? Where do non-binary people fit in? And how would they kind of function in this society? Do you think, what do you think about her basically not including um, those experiences in this work?
0: I actually find it fairly easy to imagine how trans characters would fit into this experience. I think that the skein or and How did you say it? I said skeen. skeen That's what I... Okay. Um, I feel like the skein is something that people would be born with and you would either have gender-affirming surgeries to remove it or to potentially get it implanted, just like what happened to one of the characters in the book. We won't say who in this non-spoiled episode or section. So that part I actually felt was like pretty clear. Like I think it would just be a similar to like having breast tissue. And how do you feel about that? Do you want breast tissue? Do you want it removed? It's also interesting to think about how women, how women would react to their own skin because we see some women have it much stronger than others. And you could even imagine a world where like women are having, enhancement surgeries to increase the power of their skin or decrease the power of their skin depending on, you know, what was kind of in vogue at the time. But I feel
1: like what's interesting about this is like gender affirming surgeries, do not innately give you power or power to like kill somebody. And so I wonder what the corruption would be with that because we want people to be autonomous, right. And be able to say what they want to do with their bodies. And they have every right to be like, this is what I want. And this is what makes me feel affirmed. and makes me you know, feel like I am who I know that I am. And so because that normally doesn't come with this innate power, but just like a self-reckoning, when it comes with the power to kill others or to do bad in the world, like how would you be able to differentiate between who got, who like legitimately was like, this is who I feel like I am and I want this and who is not using it for good and wants it to harm others?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think if I was actually thinking this out, um I don't think that they would let people do this. I think they would probably let people remove them if they wanted. And I can imagine like political parties forming where women are like, "I got mine removed and that's the right thing to do." And da da you know. Uh so, but I do think it like it kind of makes sense to me. I I Naomi has talked about not including trans characters in this as sort of like a feature of when she was writing this book, which was like 2010 when there was not as much gender as not as many trans characters portrayed in media, Um, they are adapting this to a television series and they are going to include maybe trans characters or non-binary individuals in this book. So I think that I think she is going to think through that in more detail. So it it was an oversight and I do appreciate that she kind of has said that like, I wish I would have thought about it at the time. I wish somebody had talked to me about it and we could have, thought about how to include this so it was an oversight but I don't have as hard of a time fitting a trans character into this world as um as other books almost
1: interesting I think it's it speaks to the world that she has created where we can actually have these conversations and figure out that oh they might this might cause political parties to form or how would they deal with this situation like she's done such a good job building what this could look like that you're able to have these like deep conversations about a world that doesn't exist which is amazing
0: Okay, so let's transition into a spoiled discussion, so we could talk about some of the plot points. Uh, although I do think the most interesting part of this book is not necessarily the individual plot, but sort of uh, the these deeper themes that we've talked about. So, yeah. if you're uh, not listening to the spoiled section, our next book that we're reading is *The School for Good Mothers* by Jessamine Chen. So, get a copy of that book and. Start reading with us if you're interested.
1: Let's talk about these four stories and how Naomi wrapped them up as she's telling us about this world. So I want to start with Roxy because I think the most plot and the most interesting and dramatic story was hers. What did you think of Roxy's storyline and of how
0: it ended for her? So I felt obviously Roxy's story is so tragic and also so representative of what happens when there's a powerful individual which is the people try and take that power from them um you know I'm reminded of this quote from a person in politics who I will not say because it will be very polarizing but they said basically no one will give you power you have to take it and I think that does that is pretty true Mm -hmm. like organizations are not going to just give you money they're not just going to give you a position of authority they're not just people are not just going to give you influence and control and if you want it you sort of have to take it which is really sad but that is what happens with Roxy I thought that part where they took her skein out of her was really probably one of the saddest parts of the book and also to have that from her family was really so upsetting
1: I felt like that scene was so heartbreaking. And then to know that it was her brother, I felt sick. I was like, Roxy. But I think she grows so much in this book as a person that you're still, even though Roxy has done some very questionable things in her career in the crime world, I still feel like every second I'm just rooting for her. And I'm just so disappointed in her family. And in. there were so many twists and turns. Roxy's story could have been its own book.
0: Right. Exactly. I also thought the scene where the women kill the person who was there to attack Roxy, I can't remember if it was her brother or not, but the women in the factory like kill for her and they bring, you know, they like bring parts of his body to her and they're like, isn't this what you wanted? (laughs) And she's like, no, but you see in that moment too, where she is a leader in a lot of ways, a leader out of love and devotion, like they really like her and care for her and have followed her. Uh, for good reasons and then it just becomes this it's it becomes its own animal because then they kill for her thinking that this is what she would have wanted thinking that this violence is something that she desired and she is just destroyed but at the same time she's also powerless so she can't say anything she can't say how she really feels in that moment and then she's in hiding which is just really kind of oh her story story, I know
1: and it's obviously these people, her family has hurt her so much physically and mentally, emotionally. And at the end of it, she, I think is when they're bringing her the parts of him, she's just like, violence won't bring back what they've done to me. Like it won't avenge this. Um, and, I think this is an interesting part where women are given the power and they're like, okay, this person hurt you. Let's hurt them back. And this is kind of what I was talking about with, it's not all revenge writing. It's not all in this revenge plot. Roxy's like, that's not what I wanted. I would never want someone to go through what I had to go through to avenge the death of that.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, essentially in the very end, what we have is basically a complete reversal to now from patriarchy, we have matriarchy, but still with all of the bad parts of patriarchy. So the last, the very end is Naomi, quote unquote, responding to the man who wrote this story and is like, oh my God, I male cops and like gangs of all men how funny would that be and kind of sexy
1: (laughs) oh my god she's like we've all thought about that right i was like oh no
0: (laughs) and she's being like like dismissive of him and laughing at his cute little story and it's just like oh okay so things are just completely reversed um and clearly like some warfare has happened through this like transition um and I think it was an effective way to end the book. I mean, I I understand why people don't like it. And I understand, again, why people push against that, thinking it wouldn't happen that way and women wouldn't be that way. And especially if 5,000 years have passed, women would be better. But they're so far removed from this present society that it seems like, yeah, we could reproduce these exact same abusive patterns if we're not careful about it.
1: Right. I feel like this book reads like a warning. Like you are not above this. You are not – this could still happen if women were in power. Women are not innately more exceptional. And maybe you can learn and you can change and you can grow into a place where women are – have the power and they don't use it like this. But it's not a given that it won't turn out like this. And I kind of enjoy that the book is not this fantasy where women are in power and then everything is perfect. It's like presenting with you a warning of what could happen if you're not careful and like the responsibility of holding that power – I also really, now that you've brought that up, like that in this this book, she did not just make women equal. Like she fully flipped the society. So women are bad in this, you know, not all of them, obviously. Hashtag not all women. But like they, (laughs) you know, she doesn't just make women equal. She doesn't just create this harmonized like fantasy society where everything is okay. She's kind of showing you the worst of what it could be and that you have to be able to see the worst parts of others, you know can be in all people.
0: It's also again, and it's funny because you said not hashtag not all women, but it is also again a commentary on like how if there is a power imbalance, not everybody has to take advantage of it in order for it to create fear. Right. You only need a couple of bad actors in a position of power to make everyone mistrust everybody in that position. You know, it's sort of like we only need a couple of shady connections to Wall Street and stock trading for politicians for all of us to be like, you know what? All of you could do this. And so therefore, I don't trust any of you. Yes,
1: 100 percent. And I think that's where you get into kind of polarizing politics or polarizing yeah,
0: gender politics or anything like that is you're lumping people into these groups. Um, It's also... It's a different question to ask, if you were given power, do you think you would do this? Versus if all women were given this power, do you think some of them would abuse it? And the answer is clearly yes. 100%. And I think that's the question that people have a hard time
1: reckoning with, too. Which this
0: book now, does. yes. Okay. But also, let me just say, in defense of, <laughs> in defense of my idea of Margot or me being Margot in one, one aspect of my life, if I had power, I feel like, okay, so Margot gets power and starts like sexually harassing people underneath of her men underneath of her and making passes on them and i just want to say this is something i just fundamentally do not understand about men i do not understand how you are the president of the united states of america and you're still thinking about like hooking up on the side like with the monochrome of power and responsibility that i have in my life i am like i am so busy. (laughs) I am too busy to think about someone in my life as a friend, let alone think about them in a sexual way. Like when I get busy with work, it's just like the last fucking thing on my mind when I'm at work.
1: You're also in a happily committed and safe relationship. You're not like single.
0: Uh, uh, okay, all of these politicians and professors and things are also married, so I'm, next. I said you were in a not happy a and excuse. safe,
1: committed relationship. I did not say you're in a relationship.
0: <laughs> what are these people in? No, I agree. I also just feel like,
1: why are you, Why do you have to force these Like, you're in a position of power. Why are you? Oh, God, it's complicated. Yes, I don't get it either. Like, you can't get anyone to sleep with
0: you on their own. You have to, like, use your power yes. to make them sleep with you. Ugh. I guess the idea, the idea that women Do objectify men or view them as sexual objects? I feel like, yes, obviously, we are aware of what men look like and we are aware of what other women look like. But so I guess what she's saying and now that we're thinking it through, she's so smart. But I guess what she's saying is like power gives you the feeling. So this is what Adam would say what power does. Power reveals. Power um, emboldens you to be more of who you are and less like filtered. You're less, you're more myopic. You're more focused on what you care about, what you want, and less able to take the perspective of others. So it's sort of like, oh, you find this person attractive. So you'll just say whatever you want because you have power. And so you'd be like, you're hot. (laughs) What are you doing later? (laughs) Do you like to sleep with older women? Like, you'll just say shit like that because you're in a position of power. So, I guess she's right. But I just feel like, ugh, it just feels like something that I'm like, if I'm president of the United States, the way I am working 24 hours a day.
1: Okay, but you're also doing the thing where you're like, you're doing the thing where if you were given the power, what would you do? And what you would do is not hit on all these people and have time to have all these little affairs and sexually assault men. But like, you're not talking about what women would do, right? That's exactly what he's saying. Like, there could be women who don't have that same drive or think the same way through things who wouldn't react like that. But I believe you that you wouldn't do it. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Katie. (laughs) Um, Okay. I do want to talk about one of the most disturbing scenes I've ever read in a book, but not in like a. Oh, yes. So trigger warning, we're going to talk about the sexual assault scene. Skip ahead for like two minutes if you are not in a place to hear this. So when Tunde is in this like village, he's saved by Roxy from this like band of women who are basically raping and pillaging towns. And we are presented with a scene of women raping a man. What did you think about that scene?
1: I mean, I think it was extremely disturbing. I think reading any scene like this is always like, I just wanted to like turn away and not read it, but it's like a part of the story in the book. I think it was like another level of disturbing to see women who in my brain, it doesn't feel like we'd be capable of like, of that level of assault or of, of that level of harm to others doing that t- to this man. And I, the way she wrote about it was, I mean, it is disturbing. I don't No one else except for that to say about it.
0: I think this, again, Naomi is so brilliant in including this scene because, again, what we know is that rape is not about sex. Rape is about power. And that's exactly what is happening. It's these people demonstrating the absolute power they have for this group and the domination that they have achieved over taking everything from this village. And I think she did a good job at showing something incredibly dark to make a point about that, about what rape is. And I think she's thinking again about this thesis of, like, what is the nature of power and and how, how can it have these consequences that we think, again, are not associated with women and that women don't do that. Now, of course, women do do it. Obviously, it's at way lower rates than men. But... It does happen. And men also are the victims of rape, both at the hands of men and women as well. So I think it was an important scene. I think she did it in a way that was unflinching, but didn't come across as gratuitous to me personally. I agree with that. I think this is a good example of how in our current society, she takes
1: something that predominantly happens to women, not that it happens only to women, but predominantly to women and talks out these traumatic experiences and says a point or makes a point about it while the traumatic experience is happening to a man. But I didn't find it any less traumatic to read as a woman to read, you know what I mean? Obviously, but it's just interesting how she's writing about these horrible experiences. This is the first fiction book I've read where it's not a woman at the center of these extremely traumatic experiences.
0: Okay, well, we loved The Power. We would love to hear what you all thought about it. And I can't wait to read our next book, The School for Good Mothers. Can't wait. So check our Instagram page for the schedule. We're going to start reading that book next Sunday. So our first episode will be out in two weeks about the first part of... The School for Good Mothers.
1: Talk, talk. I'll go first because I don't have any updates. Um, I was out of the country for ten days and read not one book.
0: <laughs> which love that.
1: I know, love that for me. It happens when I like travel with Jason because, first of all, I'm an extremely anxious flyer, so I don't read on planes. And then when I'm with him, we're just the two of us traveling, I feel like guilty reading a book in the hotel. Like I feel like I should hang out with him, so I just yeah. do that instead. And we had or a great experience
0: time. where you are. Which right, you, you exactly. Should, yeah.
1: And so I fully immersed myself in the cultures and read no books. Uh, But I've started to because, in order to meet my reading goal, I need to read three books, three more books by the end of the month, which is this week. Um, So I, yeah, yikes. That face is exactly how I feel. I mean, it'll be fine. I can make it up if not, but I am halfway through four books. So I feel like it's not impossible. I'm reading Somebody's Daughter, which I am. I'm liking it so far. I don't have like a formed opinion on it if how I'm gonna like, if I'm gonna like how it ends. I do feel like it's very memoir y in that what you had talked about previously, where it's like, here's where I was at, here's what I did next, here's when they came in, blah, blah, blah. I'm also reading Our Country Friends, which is about a bunch of longtime friends from high school, et cetera, going up to one of their friends' cabins in the woods during the COVID pandemic. And you get to be inside the heads of these very different characters and some people who come visit them, some famous actors and former students. Um, so far, I'm loving it. It's hilarious. I feel a lot of secondhand embarrassment, but mostly I'm just laughing and loving being inside of their minds. That was a potential book club pick. I know. Point, I didn't realize that so, until I started reading love. it. And I was like, oh, it's on Oh! Here. And then I have my usual three. I'm always just halfway through, which is Midnight Library, Milk Fed, and Under Whispering Doors. So, y'all pray for me to finish three books this week.
0: <laughs> well, I finished Olga Dai's Dreaming, which, if you follow us on Instagram, you know I was horrified to tell Katie that I did not love. I just felt like. Olga has no actual tension going on she's also not a very likable person uh she has this realization at a certain point that something she's doing is not aligned with her true calling and then just gets involved with the mob and you're like wait what one storyline was incredibly serious and difficult and the other storyline was like I plan weddings for rich people yeah so not my favorite but Sorry. No, this is
1: a good example Sorry. of a book I wish you read at the same time because now I'm like, I don't, I know that I liked it. I don't remember. It wasn't like my top book of the year, but I did like it. Someone else read it. Give us a third opinion.
0: The other book that I read was The Other Black Girl, which is one that Shonora recommended or that we talked about in her episode. I, It's sort of like a psychological thriller. People have described it as like Get Out meets The Devil Wears Prada. Totally agree with that i liked it because it's a lot of like workplace drama where it's like oh she sat in this seat where like the assistants never sit and you're like you know (laughs) it is more of a slow burn and i feel there are criticisms about um you know the focus of the story being these two black girls going against each other in the office rather than working together um and some of the some of it is like kind of cheesy, like references to black Twitter. It just feels like a little bit forced, but I read it as like campy. Like I read it as intentionally like tongue in cheek and kind of funny. Um, sort of how like Get Out has kind of like cuts to camera, you know, like you just cuts to the audience. Like you just know it's like that was kind of a joke. That's how I read it. And I found it enjoyable. Uh, I liked it. So. Those are my thoughts. Those are my books. OK, Great. I'm so excited to start reading School for Good Mothers. Same. I literally can't wait. I got to finish a couple more books this week. Oh, well, I don't get to
1: it. Okay, have a good week.
0: Book Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney with production support from Dan White. Our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week.
1: Okay, I promise this is actually the last thing I want to talk about. So the last thing I want to say is no. Wait,
0: this is not the last thing we want to say. (laughs) Actually, none of that was true.